Today is Monday, August 1st, and this is your Korean American Political Report, KAPR. Thank you for downloading and trying us out for the first time. We understand how valuable your time is, and allowing this podcast into your daily routine is an incredible show of trust and friendship. Whether it is going for a run, doing chores around the house, or putting us on to and for your commute, I sincerely thank you. I'm here to make the next 20-something minutes each month worth your while. As long as you are curious on what is going on politically, I will try my best to bring you important, relevant news coverage that impacts Korean Americans, regardless of party. Any and all Korean Americans are welcome to be more engaged with the civic process, as well as give you a peek into what other Korean American leaders, past or present, are doing across this nation. This podcast has three goals in mind. Number one, awareness. Perhaps too much awareness is on D.C., Seoul, or Pyongyang, and not enough in Atlanta, Lansing, Olympia, or Austin, so spotlighting on local issues and concerns will be a priority. Of course, this podcast still has to give updates on what is going on in our nation's capital, particularly the policies coming out of Congress, no matter how low their approval ratings get. Number two, celebrate. This concept may be lost to some Korean Americans, as we are all hardworking individuals honing our craft and forgetting to sometimes stop and celebrate. But it is the hope of this podcast to at least highlight a Korean American monthly that has in some ways positively moved the community forward. Frankly speaking, there is a dearth of Korean American public elected officials, and in order for us to get more across this country, we need to audit, thank, and learn from the trailblazers before us that have sat in elected seats from local to federal positions. This podcast effectively breaks down zip code barriers, political parties, expensive flight tickets, and gives us insights into what other Korean American communities are doing, all at the power of your fingertips. A few swipes, a few keystrokes, and a savviness on social media. Number three, learn. Now this concept, we as a community, have done really well. This platform has the ability to reach a great swath of audience, from all the Korean American generations to high school students and everyone in between. I consider this first podcast a small victory, since I have scoured the internet for a forum on Korean American elected officials and found nothing. The amount of wisdom, strategy, and great conversations have been lost, but this podcast will try to recover, harvest, and cherish moving forward. This podcast needs to take our collective ideas and catalog it for the future. It is only fitting that I tell you at this point what this podcast is not. This list will certainly change as this podcast continues to evolve, more likely fumble its way through. This is not favorable to one political party or to the other. It is not a platform to endorse one presidential candidate or the other. It is not to play gotcha journalism with podcast guests. It is not to call out people on mistakes or transgressions. If you have an interesting and compelling story on how you became a Korean American elected official or served the public in some great capacity, we would love to hear about that and spotlight on that incredible journey. My first guest has recently made headlines for her speech at the Republican Convention in Cleveland, Ohio. She was born in the U.S. and elected as an at-large delegate in May. She has created a national organization, Korean Americans for Trump. You can visit her website at ka4trump.com. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Lisa Shin. Congrats on the speech at the RNC. Before you catch your breath, I have to ask, what's next for you? You know, for now, immediately, I just 
kind of want to get back to my life. And I've had people, friends warn me that you're not going to get back to this. I just kind of want to get back to work and taking care of my family. And it's just been a whirlwind of events. And, you know, I know you said um, your number one question was, how do you think you did with your speech? And, um, you know, I was really, really happy because it actually came out exactly the way I had written it when um, one of my biggest fears, because, you know, I've never spoken in such a large, to a large audience. So my big fear was that I would stutter or I would get off the script and I would get flustered. I mean, I just had all these things going through my mind, like I'm going to be a national embarrassment. And I just, I had all this fear. Um, but everything came out exactly the way I had wanted to, how, how I had written it. And so I was just overjoyed at the, when I was done with the speech. Were you nervous at all? I was. Like, you know, I've never, because I've never spoken in such a, loud, a, a, a large to a large audience like that. Yeah. What was the largest audience? Well, you know, I didn't really have to speak to be in a, in a, to an audience for my um, campaign. I just made a lot of phone calls. I talked to a lot of people one-on-one. -on -one. I didn't speak in front of a crowd yeah I was looking up the process to become a New yeah. Mexico delegate and it seemed like it was there was going to be a lot on that a lot riding on that state convention uh, that happens but as you go from caucus to county and then to the state that was going to be the the biggest uh, I guess place where you're going to be talking a lot or, or trying to whip up votes well people did it differently um, just as people there's mm -hmm. some people who um, you know, they may have campaigned like they mailed things, uh, information. Um, for me, I just felt like the best way for me was just talk to people, make phone calls. So I did a ton of phone calls is, is what I did. But people did it differently, I think. And, you know, I've heard people like in D.C., they went door to door, you know, campaigns. I think every state kind of does it differently. Who was your strategist? Is there somebody that's helping you consult behind the scenes as you were uh, trying to become a delegate? No, I didn't have any help. That's the amazing thing is I didn't have help from the Trump campaign. I didn't have Trump or I didn't have help from my local campaign. Kind of came in a little bit later. I basically just I did the only thing I thought I could do was just talk to people. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. But I didn't have any help. <laughs> so. Well. That leads me to my next question. What motivated you to run for a national delegate position in New Mexico? You know, I did see, you know, like in March, it seemed like February, March, it seems like Trump really needed help in terms of delegates. You know, he didn't have a good ground game. He was struggling, but, you know, yet I just felt like he had the most to offer, um, compared to the other candidates, and I really supported, you know, a lot of what he was saying, and so I thought, you know, this is my way of helping him, was becoming a delegate. There's always that one defining moment. Did you have that? You know, um, I don't know that I did. I think it was just kind of, just overall, I had this feeling like I've got to do, I've got to help him, mm -hmm. you know, in the way I can. I thought being a delegate seemed like something that's very, you know, um, Something that I could do, because a lot of these other things, you know, there's, you know, I can't, you know, go around speaking for him nationally, or, you know, I didn't think I could do that. But being a delegate, that's something that seemed like I could do that. And so that's how I decided I would support Trump. 
What about Mr. Trump do you find him appealing to be the, our next president? You know, I think he really gets it right on the economy. Um, you know, we talk about um, reducing the regulatory burden, simplifying the tax code, you know, better trade deals. I mean, I think all these things are just so necessary. I, I really believe we need economic revitalization. I really think that that's just, not, to me, that's number one on my mind because, I mean, to me, if, you know, America's prosperity is our prosperity, mm-hmm. Asian Americans, Korean Americans. And, you know, if the economy is struggling and slow, then, you know, I think we're going to feel that too. You're a small business owner yourself, a doctor. Yeah, I'm an optometrist. Optometrist, that's right. Optometrist. So, how long have you been doing that and how long have you had your own small business or practice, I should say? I've been doing this for 19 years. And so, you figure your perspective, the economy is always number one. Well, for me, that's really driving me, I think. And I I love the fact that he's a business person. We need kind of a business perspective to things. I think, you know, we need to get the debt, the national debt. I think we need to look at, you know, wasteful spending. We need to look at, you know, trade deal, like I said before. So, you know, I just think the economy is really important. I mean, this last jobs report was like 94 million people um, are no longer even looking for work. I think that's shameful to have that many Americans and of course you know we have so many people on food stamps and I, I just think that that that's not that's not the American way for us to, to have they were really happy after the speech and so they've been very supportive you know my family's been very supportive where did you draw inspiration from your speech about my family, you know, I think about my parents and what they went through for the American dream. Um, and for me, I kind of feel like the direction of America and uh, just the things that are happening, I just think that's just not what they envisioned. We're going kind of in a direction where that's not what they came here for. That's not what they sacrificed and left everything for. And I, I just think they're, you know, really, there's a sense of disappointment um, and so I kind of I think of that, and then I also think of my daughter because, you know, I think of her generation, and I think of, um, you know, what is life going to be like for her? What are the opportunities? What are what are the things that she's going to be facing? And so, for me, that the family did really drive some of, you know, my passion, um, my political activism, <laughs> because I'm kind of thinking of both both size as my, you know, my, my parents and, and also the next generation, too. Do you have a political mentor, somebody uh, as a role model in politics, um, maybe a Korean-American elected official? Is there somebody that you look up to? You know, it was a privilege to meet Michelle Steele. California. Been, you know, cause, yeah, because I've been watching, kind of watching her, and she's so amazing. And to meet her, that was, that was a great privilege. And, you know, I've been watching Young Kim, Assembly Woman in California. She's my inspiration. And, in Fullerton. You know, of course, I didn't get yeah. to meet her. I didn't get to meet her. I, I did meet her husband, but she's, to me, an incredible um, role model. Were they both at RNC? Right. Well, Michelle Steele was there, but not Young Kim. I Just see. Like, Young Kim's husband was there. What is blocking us? What's that obstacle or barrier that doesn't seem to be resulting in more Korean Americans in elected offices? You know, I think it could be cultural. I just don't think it's something that's valued and something that's encouraged. I know that my parents never said, oh, Lisa, you know, consider politics. I mean, I think they were always like, 
you know, something, you know, healthcare or something like that. Law. I think a lot of Korean, you know, parents, I don't think that that's something that they encourage. That's one thing I see. Um, and then I, I'm wondering if the, the culture in general, because we're kind of taught to be, you know, we don't want to be controversial. We want to kind of, you know, just don't want to cause conflict. I, I feel like it. That's kind of what I was taught. Because I wasn't really taught to, you know, ever fight back. I know that, you know, I grew up and, you know, there's all sorts of discrimination and all sorts of terrible things that I went through. But it wasn't, and my parents never, you know, taught me that I should fight back or I should challenge it. Challenge the status quo. And, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's, that's just my experience. So, I don't know if that's, you know, kind of good and bad maybe, but you know, probably more bad, but I feel like that was really something that was ingrained in me, and it wasn't until, um, you know, in my adulthood and, you know, owning my own business that you just realize if you don't fight back, then you're, you're not going to go get anywhere, <laughs> but you got to learn to be stronger and be a little bit more aggressive, assertive, like, I think, um, being in business for myself and dealing with the public, I think has taught me to be a little bit stronger a little bit more opinionated and I've, you know, a little bit more vocal about, about the things that I believe in. But I just think that culturally, like I know that growing up in Korean circles, my parents, I just don't think that kind of um, engagement was really encouraged, right? And so I think it's cultural, but, you know, I think that if we, you know, we're seeing all sorts of, you know, these organizations like AAPI Vote. And I'm seeing all these, you know, Korean advancement for, in politics. I mean, I'm seeing kind of these efforts to engage Korean Americans and Asian Americans more in politics. But I am seeing that effort, mm -hmm. which is a great thing. But I'm hoping that, you know, we'll see more Korean Americans, you know, step up and be more politically active. One, I think that's a great, um, that would be a great role model for the, the, the uh, younger generations. Um, and I also think there just needs to be an effort in the um, Korean community. Like, maybe we need to do more outreach, like, in colleges. Because I know that, like, if someone would have approached me in college and said, hey, Lisa, you know, this is why political activism is important. These are some important issues that you should think about and maybe you should consider it. Like, I think if someone would have just approached me with that, I would have been 100% open to that. I mean, no one just really showed me that it was important. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in all these Korean circles and, you know, Korean-American, you know, student associations. But, you know, no one ever said that. I just think if we could have some sort of effort to reach out mm -hmm. to, like, college students or... Uh, whatever it is, churches, and just say, hey, you know, this is this is why we need to have a voice. Um, this is why we need a seat at the table. Um, you know, we need to have our concerns heard by our leaders, you know, in this country. It's very important now. I just see it's vital because uh, these issues of immigration, of Korea with military involvement, and I mean, just... You know, Koreans have got to have a voice, and we've got to have a seat, or else, you know, our, our, our concerns will be dismissed.
by our politicians and our leaders. One advice to somebody, let's say a woman in college, or I was moved so much by Dr. Shin's remarks that I want to, I may want to look at starting a, a campaign in five, ten years. What are some advice would you give to that budding student that's going to be like, I want to run for office and I want to be a Korean American elected official? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I would say definitely get involved locally. Mm -hmm. You know, see if you can get the support and information of your local party, because that's what I've done, basically. Over the years, I've learned a lot just from the women, you know, in my own party here locally, and the men and women in my own party, and so I think that's definitely a good start. I think practice with uh, reading and writing and speaking are really important. That's something that I've actually um, improved on over the years, is, you know, my, my, my ability to write and, and express my thoughts. I've written editorials to the local newspaper. I think that's really helped me too because that helps you formulate kind of what you believe and um, express them effectively. And yeah, and so I think definitely practice that writing of send your letters and, you know, if there's a college newspaper, send your letters and express your views because that's great practice or getting into politics. I always say, hey, you know, it starts at the county or the local level. Join your local Democratic or Republican Party county and, and, then, and then start from there and then, you know, make some connections, make some networks, and then ask questions, right? I mean, I think asking questions like, hey, what do you think about this? Or how can we win this seat? And, and be able to, to ask the right questions, be able to formulate that really good question to unearth some really... I think, uh, important um, answers. You know, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed um, meeting people and listening to people. And I think there's a lot of joy, mm -hmm. you know, in, in political activism. I just met so many wonderful people along the way. And it's fun to think that, you know, you could make a difference. Great. Okay, very good. So um, let's be in touch, uh, Joseph. And... Um, I appreciate the, the opportunity to, to uh, visit with you. That was once again Dr. Lisa Shin of New Mexico, an at-large delegate elected in May. As a result of Dr. Lisa Shin's remarks, I also received Korean Americans for Hillary press release on, some, on Sunday. Here are parts of that press release. Quote, Korean Americans for Trump does not accurately represent the views of a majority of the Korean American population. Rather, Korean Americans for Hillary believes our numbers and supporters tell the full story of our community's values. We believe our organization represents a candidate who best understands and will work on behalf of our community. Which leads me to this important point. The 2016 presidential election is building up to be a tight race as the latest Real Clear Politics poll average has Secretary Clinton at 44.6 over Mr. Trump at 42.7. But here are some better numbers to digest. According to the 2016 Spring Asian American Voter Survey conducted by the Asian and Pacific Islander American Vote Organization, 62% of respondents say they view the Republican Party unfavorably, 12% no opinion, and 26% favorably. On the flip side, 24% of Korean American respondents view the Democratic Party as unfavorable, 10% no opinion, and 66% favorable. 
In that same report published on May 2016, Mr. Trump gets an 80% unfavorable, 10% no opinion, and 10% favorable. Secretary Clinton gets 37% unfavorable, 2% no opinion, and 60% favorable ratings. Lastly, Congress has taken its recess for the month of August to work in their respective districts. Uh, the convention, both Democratic and Republican, were the past two weeks uh, and will be on break up until after Labor Day, which is September 5th, 2016, when they should be back in session. There are two types of legislation in Congress worth noting. These two bills are trying to urge government leaders to have more family reunions with North Korea. The first bill is House Continuing Resolution 40, which was introduced in 2015 by Representative Charlie Rangel, a Democrat from New York, also an advocate for Korean Americans. He wants to, quote, encourage North Korea to allow Korean Americans to meet with their family members from North Korea and calls on North Korea to take concrete steps to build goodwill that is conducive to peace on the Korean Peninsula. House Con Resolution 40 has about 150 House sponsors. And there is great effort by the National Coalition for Divided Families to lobby its representatives, which will effectively raise awareness and increase education on this very important topic. In the opposite chamber, there is Senate Bill 3117, sponsored by Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. He was once a 2016 Republican presidential candidate, but dropped out early. He has drafted a State Department bill that speaks to the operations and appropriations of this very important cabinet to the president. Senator Graham took the language of Senate Bill 2657, drafted by Senator Mark Kirk, Republican of Illinois, who is also a great champion of this cause. A similar effort is being pushed to get the attention of U.S. Senators to pass this legislation from the National Coalition for Divided Families. For more information or to get involved, please check out dfusa.org. That's dividedfamiliesdfusa.org. Thank you for listening. That's our first report. Please leave us a feedback via Twitter or email. Looking forward to our conversation real soon. Thank you. The email address is kapreport at gmail.com. Once again, that's kapreport at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at kap underscore report. Once again, that's kap underscore report.